This is an audio recording from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. For more Bible teaching, email daily devotions, or to download the free Harvest app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android, go online to harvest.org. Count of three, I want you to everybody scream their name. Can you guys do that for me? I, I saw some kids in here. They're, yeah, you guys are going to scream loud, I know. All right, so my name's Rob. What's your name? One, two, three. I heard Lauren. So nice to meet you, Lauren. All right. So tonight, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the Bible. And uh, it's crazy because the Bible actually cannot be taught in one night. We could talk about the Bible for months and months and months. But tonight, we will just take a little brief overview of it and some quick hitters uh, for some of you guys that uh, may have not, or that are new uh, to, to reading the Bible. Um, it could be daunting sometimes uh, if you look at Leviticus and you look at Numbers and you look at all those. And if you just want entertainment, go through the book of Joshua, chapter 17, and try to pronounce all those names that are right after each other, and it is crazy. But uh, tonight we're just going to go through uh, what is the Bible and why we study it. Some people might go, I know what the Bible is, but do you know what the Bible is? Do you, do you know what studying the Bible is? So we'll, we'll go through uh, a few of those things tonight. But uh, in order to understand the Bible and read it and to have our answers, our, our questions answered about it, it's kind of like proofreading. You know what I mean? When you want to send something to somebody, you proofread it, right? So, you, they, so when you send it, they understand what you're, what you're uh, sending. So tonight, I just want to give you a few things that should have been proofread that were not. Here's one. Dinner special, turkey, 235. Chicken or beef, $2.25. Children, $2. Yeah, y'all are worth $2. Dog for sale, eats anything and is fond of children. Down boy. We do not tear your clothing with machinery. We carefully do it by hand. Room for rent, six hated apartment. I think he meant heated, but... That could mean the both. Heated, hated, it's all the same thing, right? Auto repair service, free pickup and delivery. Try us once, you'll never go anywhere again. Another one, illiterate. (laughs) This one's funny. Illiterate, write today for help. Okay. (laughs) Get rid of ants. Zap does the job in 24 hours. Stock up and save, limit one. Used cars, why go elsewhere to be cheated? Come here first. A three-year-old teacher needed for preschool, experience preferred. Wanted, preparer of food, must be dependable, like the food business, and willing to get the hands dirty. I'm not eating those sandwiches, right? And now, the, su- and now, the superstore, unequaled in size, unmasked in variety, and unrivaled in inconvenience. We will oil your sewing machine and adjust tension in your home for a dollar. It's going to take more than a dollar. And then this one, I had to save this one. I couldn't even, I couldn't even put it down. Stuart, can you put it up here for me, please? Cat found, light tan with black and gray, female, no collar, not very friendly. I think she might be scared, not housebroken either. Found on 75th Street. If she's yours, call Dan. 
That, was... that wasn't a cat. Just to let you guys know, that was a... Okay. I don't want you to guess it. I don't know the name. That's... No, don't know the name, and I don't even want to know the name. So, but anyways, so I look at it like this. If we want to proofread these things, things that need to be proofread, I look at it like this may not be exactly what proofread means here, but I want proof of what I'm reading so I can best understand it and it can answer my questions, right? You want to, you want to read something and you want to, when you read it and you want to proofread it because you want to best understand it. So again tonight, we're here, we're here to talk about the Bible, so buckle up because here we go. We're going to start out with what the Bible is. Um, does anybody know what the English word for Bible means? It means book. I know. It's like, phew, that was crazy. It means book. That's what it means. It means that's what it means in our English uh, uh, language. And then in Latin, it's Biblia, and in Greek, it's Biblios. So the Bible is crazy because it's made up of 66 different books. The Old Testament has 39 uh, uh, books, and the, the, the New Testament has 27. They include books of law like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, historical books such as Ezra and Acts, books of poetry such as uh, Psalms and uh, Ecclesiastes, books of prophecy such as Isaiah and Revelation, and of course we have the Gospels. So we have a lot that is in the Bible, and, and, it's, and it's interesting when you put all these things together because there was about 40 different human authors. And the crazy thing is they came from all walks of life. You had kings, you had fishermen, you had doctors, you had shepherds. And from all this diversity comes an incredible unity with common themes throughout this book. And why? Because the Bible's unity is due to the fact that it's ultimately one author. And who is that? God. And in and, and and 2 Timothy 3.16, it says the Bible is God-breathed. Human authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. So I look at it like this, man. That's a pretty cool way. And I, and I think I stole this from Pastor Jeff uh, Lassane because and, and, I told him, I said, man, this sounds cool. I, I don't know where I heard it before. And he goes, you heard it from me. As God exhales, we inhale. If the Bible is God-breathed, when he exhales, we inhale. We take in what he is saying. The great theologian B.B. Warfield said it like this. He says, the Bible is the word of God in such a way that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Amen? When, 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 when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So when we open our Bibles, God is speaking to us. And he wants to spend time with us, which is still mind-blowing. You see, the Bible is far beyond a book. Uh, it's far beyond any book and is nothing less than God's voice from heaven. It's not the book of the month. It's not the book of the year. It's the book of eternity, period. I like how Martin Luther said like this. He says, I have spoken with my Lord and told him that he should not send me visions or dreams or even angels. I am content with this gift of, scripture, of the scriptures, which teaches and supplies all that is necessary both for this life and the one to come. The main character of the Bible is Jesus. I mean, if you really look at it, the main character is him. You could find him sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. You see him in the New Testament. And the Old Testament predicts his coming and sets the stage for his entrance into this world. The New Testament is about his coming, 
and his work to bring salvation to a sinful world. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, uh, Jesus was, uh, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for Jesus, man. I mean, he was, he, was, he was taken against his will and he was beaten and, he had, you know, no. It was all part of God's plan. And God's plan is all in the Bible. So we hear about these things in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But one of the big things I like is God, uh, the Bible is God's revelation. How would we know God if he, didn't, if he didn't reveal it to us, right? We wouldn't really know anything. We wouldn't know anything about God. But the Bible presents itself as the revealed truth of God. The word it uses is revelation. It actually means unveiling. It's like, it's like pulling something like, hey, guys, I got something. Are you ready? And you pull the sheet back and you see what's behind the sheet. It's an unveiling. God is telling us this stuff. He is, he is showing us. And he has revealed these things that would otherwise not be known at all. Remember, the Bible is truth, not speculation. Because some people can tell you, well, you know what? I read the four gospels I've read. I've read Mark. I've read Luke. I've read John. I've read James. I just want to see if you guys are paying attention because of James. But anyways, that's not part of the gospels. But... You read the four Gospels and you read in the Gospels and it's like this. You can look at the start to follow screen, right? Everybody's seen the start to follow screen? I could ask you guys what's the first thing you see. Someone will say, I see an arrow. Someone says, I see start. Someone says, two or follow. I see a screen. I see black. I see blue. So you guys all see the same thing, but you could be seeing something different than you see. And you could be seeing something different than you see. You all are seeing the same thing. That's what the Gospels are. They're not contradiction. Well, yeah, I read Luke and he's completely off because, man, Matthew said something else. And, and, but it's not like that. The Gospels are the harmony. It's all one. It's just from a different vantage point. It's from somebody seeing something different. Like you would see something different on that screen than somebody else would, but you're staring at the same thing. So why study the Bible? Why study the Bible? Man, it's big, it's thick, it's intimidating. It's, I mean, I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, I didn't have a start to follow class. So who's new again? Raise your hand if you're new. Hey, well, welcome, guys. This is an awesome thing that our church does here because when I first became a Christian, I gave my life to the Lord, and it was like, now what? Remember when you took, remember when you took your baby home for the first time? That's my wife right here. And I, hey, whoa, all right, Chris, all right. And... <laughs> and we, we took, I remember we took our baby home. She's not a baby anymore. She's 17 and driving, and that's for a whole another set of stress. But anyways, we took her home, and we didn't know what to do. It's like, why is this baby crying? I remember my wife was working nights, and I had to watch the baby alone. I mean, come on, dads, really? I mean, we dress our kids funky when our, the, our wives aren't home, and now I just let them do whatever they want. And but I didn't know what to do. I'd call my mom. I said, Mom, this baby's crying. I don't understand why she's crying. So it's almost like for the Bible, for us to study the Bible, we have to really dig into God's Word. Really dig into God's Word. And here's why. Bible study is essential to growth. And first, uh, Peter 2.2 says this, As newborn babes desire the pure uh, milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Again, going back to when I first became a Christian, I got this book, right? There was no start to follow. There was none of that. It was, 
you know, hey, welcome to the family of God. Now you're on your own. I went and bought a King James Bible. Okay, I'm, I've been a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a two-day-old Christian. Have you ever read the King James Bible? Thou this, thou. I'm like, man, I'm back in history class again. I've, I failed history. I don't want, oh my gosh, you know. So I bought the, you know, and it's, you know, everybody likes that, that version, but I think it's a little easier when you read, and that's not, you're reading thou this, thus. But just as a baby grows, so it, it talks about here, I'm sorry, it talks about the newborn babes desiring milk. Just as a baby grabs the bottle, we grab the Bible. Why? Because a baby needs milk to grow physically, right? I mean, you know, that's just the way it goes. For us, the, we have to have the Bible and we have to have scriptures to sustain us, to sustain our life spiritually. It's our guide. And I, and I title this message something simple. God wrote a book. God wrote a book. I know it's like not really that big of a deal and doesn't sound that good, but he wrote this book for us. We should have an appetite for the word of God and we should long for him. We should long for the Bible. We get hungry, right? You guys get hungry and at night maybe you're just snacking. Like you're just snacking on a few things and you're snacking here and there. You're not really eating a full meal, but you're, you're snacking. You're constantly hungry, correct? I mean, maybe some of you, it's like, maybe the kids, you might get a couple Pop-Tarts and you're like, good. But for me, that's nothing. I mean, that's, that's nothing. So we, we, we get hungry, so we eat. And if we snack, we stay hungry. But if we go and eat a meal, we're satisfied. Well, that's what like the reading the Bible is. It's just, we just can't thumb through the pages. We just can't go, oh, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. Because there's crazy things in the Bible. When you, when you start reading it for a long period of time, you see the things in there. And I tell you, there's some crazy things in there. You just can't go hold it up and go, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. I tell you what, when the, the wind blows, I'm going to, man, I, I tell you what. Okay, Lord, you speak to me. And Judas hung himself. Probably not what God is telling you. I mean, yes, Judas did hang himself. But every time we open the Bible... God wants to speak to us. So why would we not want to long for something? Why would we not be excited about it? Don't just thumb through it. It doesn't really satisfy us when we do that, but when we dig into God's word and we study God's word and we study what it says, we're full. We're filled. We're feeling good now. There's purpose in all this. I know you're like, I hope so. There is purpose in all this because the question is, what is the aim of the Bible? The text tells us that it, it's that we might grow. Grow how? Grow to know God on a deeper level and be more like Christ. Isn't that the end game? That's what God, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I might ruin something for you guys. And you might say, oh man, you're crazy. You know that God, it's going to sound weird. You know that God doesn't really, he's not really concerned with your happiness. You guys, guys get that? He's not concerned with your happiness. What's he concerned with? Your holiness. Your holiness. He's not concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your holiness. His thing is, how can I get you to be more like Christ? That's what he wants. And we can't do that if we're not getting in the word of God. We're not seeing what it says. And it's to fill our, and, and, and the Bible is not to fill our heads with a bunch of biblical facts. It's to transform our lives. It's to transform our lives. And I'll, let me read you a story. It reminds me of a story of a, 
of a, of a teenager I once read about, a teenage boy who was deeply interested in scientific subjects, okay? Me, mm-mm, no science. Just can't, Star Wars, is that, that counts as science, right? I mean, I think Darth Vader and all that stuff. But he was especially loved astronomy. So his father bought him a very expensive telescope. You guys ever checked out a telescope? I've looked through one. They're pretty cool, I mean, if you like that kind of stuff. Um, But since the young fellow had studied all the principles of optics, he found the instrument to be most intriguing. He took it apart, examined the lenses, and made detailed calculations on the distance of its points of focus. So man, he tore that thing apart and said, how does this work? How does this, how does this, go into here and go into here and make it so I can see this and this. So he was totally into that. The, the, the kid became so absorbed in gaining a technical knowledge of the telescope itself that he never got around to looking at the stars. He knew a lot about that fine instrument, but he missed seeing the wonders of heaven. As Christians, to know all the facts and figures contained in the Bible is not the end game for God. God hasn't given us this book for that. The purpose is that we might know God on a deeper level. In other words, knowing the Bible is one thing, but knowing the author is another. Amen? Knowing the Bible is one thing, but knowing the author is another. Just as, like I said, it doesn't just give us biblical facts. It doesn't say, well, hey, man, I'm going to study the Bible so I can be I'm smarter than the guy in the pew next to me. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study the Bible because... Uh, you know, man, I want to be an intellectual. That's not what the Bible is. It's to get us closer to God. Studying the Bible, the second one is studying the Bible is essential to spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, but I'll just read the first part. It says, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have come, become dull of hearing. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. Sounds kind of mean, right? Basically, Peter's like, man, you are stupid. Man, you guys are dumb. Man, you, you, guys, you guys should be knowing all this. You're stupid. It sounds a little harsh, but this instructive passage is in terms of studying Scripture. The writer says he has, he has a ton of things to say, but it's hard to explain. Why? Why is it hard to explain? It's, is it the difficulty of the revelation that he's, trying to, that he's trying to get to these people, right? No, it's not that. It's not that. He said it's the, it, it, it's the density of the reception. There's some sort of learning disability here because Peter says you have become dull of hearing, meaning you are slow to learn. Being dull of hearing is not a problem with the ears. It's a problem with the heart. It's a problem with the heart because, listen, the hearer is not all that interested in what God has to say. The whole issue here is you ever felt like giving up on Jesus? Like when you first started walking with Jesus, it was like, yeah, but then things get a little rocky, things get a little rough, things don't go your way. You think, man, Jesus ain't on my side, bro. Like you're supposed to love me. And you're letting this happen and you just want to give up on God. Because when we become dull of hearing, and if you look at the word, the most important word in that is become. The word become here is important because it shows that it didn't start out that way. It didn't start out that dull of hearing, but it became that way. 
This should be a warning sign for us here tonight, that the Word of God starts becoming dull. Man, there should be a flasher coming off. Doot, 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 doot. I mean, we should be excited. Again, we should be excited about reading the Word of God. As we study the Word of God, it should be an exciting time spent with God as He wants to speak to us every time we open it, like I said earlier. I look at it like this, man. You guys like Justin Bieber? Just say no. Say no for the good. Perfect. But I'll still use them as an illustration. Let's say Justin, let's say you all like Justin Bieber. I mean, I don't even know if Stuart knows who Justin Bieber is. But Fred does. I know he's got his album. But listen, let's say Justin Bieber wanted to spend time, and we were all big fans of Justin Bieber, and he wanted to spend time with you. How excited would we be? We're like, yes, man, I'm going to hang out with Justin Bieber, and I cannot wait, man. I'm going to tell him all this. I'm going to tell him this song. I'm going I'm to sing a song with him. I'm going to have him autograph my shirt, all these things, and you're excited to spend time with this. Check this out. You know that God wants to spend time with you and me? He wants to spend time with us. The creator of the universe wants to spend time with us. I was like, why, God? I'm boring. I'm a scumbag. Have, do you know my thoughts? Do you know what I say? But he wants to spend time with us, which I don't know if I'll ever grasp that concept. I just think it's the coolest thing that God wants to, God wants to, to be a part of our lives, every aspect of our lives. So he wants, he, wants, he, wants, he, he wants to speak to us through his word. And as much as these believers had been following, they should have been much more than mature than they were, right? If you're, if you're hanging out with Jesus, you should be a lot more mature than you already are. If you're studying God's word and you're really walking with God, you're going to start to, you're going to, start to mold up. You're just going to start to shape up. And I always like the two, real quick, to kind of get off a, a, a task real quick. Oh, I got time. So you have Peter who's been walking with Jesus forever, right? I mean, the guy eats dinner with him. He rolls around from town to town with him. So Peter should have really understood what faith meant, right? He should know what faith meant. So the day he walks out on the water, he goes, Jesus, I want to come to you. And Jesus is like, come to me. He's like, sweet. And he falls right into the water. Jesus picks him up. He says, oh, ye of little faith. Or he called him, oh, you little faith. Like, like an Indian name. You know, like, hey, feather in the cap. Oh, you little faith. So that's Peter. That has walked with Jesus all this time. Then you take the woman with the daughter who is sick. And all she does, and she, she knows who Jesus is. She knows who he is. But all she did was, Lord, can you help me? Can, can you help me? So Peter, knowing everything about God, should have been mature and should have been, you know, hey, I know, I, I, you know. And this woman that really didn't know about Jesus but had faith enough to ask, and Jesus didn't answer her at first because he was showing the disciples that, hey, if you really want something, you really, you have to yearn for it. You have to want it. And so she asked again, and, and they talked about crumbs and, you know, being spilt on the table and, and all these things. And, he, and, she, and she comes back and says, but even the dogs have to eat. And what did Jesus say? Do you guys remember what Jesus said? You remember that story? I probably botched it all up, but you remember what, what, what he said to her? Great is your faith. 
Great is your faith. He told Peter, bro, you got no faith. Girl, you got a lot of faith. What would God say about your faith tonight? Scary, huh? Scary. So, and my faith too. I'm not saying you. I'm sorry. My faith too. So it's not, it's not just a pastor's job to be a teacher. Like these people should have been teaching the word of God. In a sense, every Christian should be a teacher. That's the mark of our spiritual maturity. We should be able to read the Bible, apply the Bible, and teach others about the Bible. You're probably telling, yeah, but man, it's, it's intimidating. It's, yeah, it's intimidating if you don't know what you're talking about. But listen, I'm going to tell you right now, who is really, who's new to reading the Bible? And don't be afraid. It's okay. It's all right. We're all new at once. Listen, my mom used to tell me this too. She said, oh my gosh, the Bible's so hard to read. Yeah, it is. It's kind of, there's some, there's some, some things you got to, me, I have to read it like three or four times to, to understand some things, but that's just me. But she used to say, the Bible is really hard for me to understand. There's some parts that are hard, but there's four easy parts. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the easiest part of the Bible to read. Basically, in a nutshell, man, we needed a savior. He came, he died, he rose, we live. Amen? Okay. Next one is, a, it, it trains us in righteous living. So we've gone through spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. Now we come to it trains us in righteous living. So this is kind of where this is kind of where the whole who said basic instructions before leaving Earth. Someone someone said that over here. You? Yeah, that's what it is. No, it's true. It's an owner's manual. It's like you know when you get like a, a VCR or something or a VCR. Man, not a VCR. I don't even know if those exist. A, a DVD player, Blu-ray, whatever they are now. You get an owner's manual. It comes with it and tells you exactly how to work it. Right? Well, that's what the Bible is. So very good. You're you were right on about that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 kind of tells us a little bit more. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction on righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul describes here that all scripture is profitable. But profitable for what? He, He... he mentions these things, but first it is for doctrine or teaching. That is, it will instruct our way of thinking. Check this out. It's crucial because, who has a pen? Now write this down. I'm not a scholar, but uh, this, 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 this spoke to, to my mind, even going over my notes today. Check this out. If you are not thinking correctly, man, you ain't living correctly. You don't have to ask the man part, but I thought it was kind of cool. If you're not thinking correctly, you are not living correctly. And that's what the Bible can do for us. It is profitable for us, for doctrine and teaching us. He also says the Bible is profitable for rebuke. You see, God doesn't view sin the way we view sin, right? You're like, man, it's not that big of a deal. No one's around. I could watch this or I could drink that or I could do this. It's not hurting anybody. That's kind of how David did. Remember David? You know, it went from Bathsheba, just then all, I think all the Ten Commandments were, were, were broken in that. Should have been out with his boys. He should have been out fighting the battle, but what was he doing? Man, he got his Hawaiian tropic. I'm sitting down. I'm going to get some sun. He looks down. He goes, wow. 
Bring her up here. What's your name? Bathsheba. Cool. Boom. Adultery. And then adultery went to what? Murder. And then murder went to what? Lying. I mean, he covered it all. But when David finally realized, when Nathan said, bro, you are dumb, and I think that's in the Bible somewhere, when he came to that point, what did he say? I have sinned against you, God. I have sinned against you. Because you can sin against a brother and sister. Hey, we ask for forgiveness, all this. But man, when we sin against God, because listen, sin might not be that big of a deal to us, but it's an abomination to God. It separates us from God. So that's why we need to be, we need to, we need to tell the Lord what we've done. Because he already knows. Oh my gosh, I can't tell God that. Do you know what he would say? Just like Adam, you know, when Adam sinned, he's like, Adam, where are you? Like God didn't know he was like over there. I mean, he knows, but he wants us to come and confess our sins because when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins as far as the East is from the West. That's a pretty long thing. But since it's profitable for rebuke, it shows us where our out of bounds are. It tells us what sin is. You know, we don't live by the law anymore, but the law was, you know, Jesus, when Jesus came and now we have life, the law was abolished, but nowhere in scripture can you find that God changed the rules or God changed anything. It's all the same. The, the, the law was just set up for us to see what sin is, Right? And third is profitable for correction. When I was a kid, I was a slob, and my parents would come and they'd tell me to clean my room, and it was like, you kick everything under the bed. Or, but my thing was, man, I'd shove everything in the closet. And I'll shut the closet, and they're not gonna know. Did you do that? Because you're laughing hard. I know you probably did that. Ah, okay, that's all right. But hey, I would shove all the junk into the closet, and then I would close it, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's done, man. Is it kids? Clean your room. But I would shove all this stuff into the closet. And then I'm like, okay, well, either I'd go in to shove something else in or like be four days. And I would forget. And I'd open the closet door and it'd all come falling out. And I'm like, man, I've got to clean this up. That's what the Bible's like. It opens up the doors in our life and provides a purifying dynamic to help us clean out sin and learn to conform to God's will. So that's what correction is. It corrects us. Fourth is profitable for training and righteous living. Now here God shows us how to live. Having corrected us on, on all, the negative, all the negative that sin brings, he gives us positive guidelines to go through. You see, God doesn't just want to go, oh, you're a sinner. <laughs> he doesn't want to do that. He wants to say, hey, listen, you sin. This is how we're going to clean it up. Hey, we're going to do this. And he gives us, he gives us these guidelines to live by. To me, that's what the Bible, if that's one thing the Bible has, has really taught me, it's those things. It's how to live. It's how to live the way God wants us to live. What is the overall purpose? In order that we may be equipped for every good work. Have you ever said, man, I wish, I wish my life were more effective for Jesus? Who said that? I've said it. Man, man, I wish I could just be, Lord, I want to be more effective for you. And, and I, you know, if you have, what have you done about it? Because we can sit there and say, man, I want to be more effective for God. I want to be used by God. But what have you done? What have you done about it? 
Well, I have the answer for you. It's simple. Study the Bible. Bible study is a pri- is primary means to becoming an effective servant of Jesus. The reason God can't use us more than he wants to may be that we're just not prepared. We're just not prepared. Listen, everybody, God has a plan for you tonight. God has a plan for everyone in this room. Somebody can say, well, you've, I can be the best man. You haven't seen me in my shower. I'm the greatest singer there is. You might be the greatest singer. It doesn't mean you're standing up next to Hans on Sunday morning. I want to be a pastor because I, I love reading the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. Okay, that's, that's a noble office that the Bible talks about. But at that point, it's, well, God's just not going to go, you want to be a pastor? You're a pastor. You're in. You want to be a worship leader? You're in. It's a time that God is going to mold you. So if you want to be a pastor, do you want to be a pastor the way you want to be a pastor? Or do you want the way that God wants you to be a pastor? Do you want to be a worship leader that God wants you to be? Or do you want to be the worship leader that you want to be? There's a difference. There's a difference. Bible study is important to us to prepare us for effectiveness as his instrument. He wants to use us, but he's got to mold us. He's got to shape us. And that's what the Bible does. Now, here we are playing tennis. The ball's in our court now. It's been served to us. What are we going to do? God wants to communicate with us in the 21st century. He wrote this message in a book. This book he wrote. He invites you to come and, and study that book. Again, for the three compelling reasons that we talked about. It's essential for growth. It's essential for maturity. It's essential for equipping you, training you, so you might be available, clean, sharp instrument in his hands to accomplish his purposes. So Bible study. Like I said, we could, we could be here all month talking about why we study the Bible. I mean, because there's so many things so many reasons, more reasons why we study the Bible, right? But I'm going to end on this. Who has a Bible in their hand? Raise it up. Don't be embarrassed if you don't have it. It's okay. You could, you could even raise your, man, look at the blue Bibles. I love the blue Bibles. Love the blue Bibles. Keep that up. Okay, I want you guys to keep that up. Oh, I see you dropping your, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Oh, yeah, it is. That thing's an encyclopedia. All right. So, with all this to say, If I didn't mention this part, I would be leaving out a huge point. I'd be leaving out a huge point tonight if I didn't mention this. Listen, this book that you're raising in your hand, there is power in this book. Hold on. Hold on. There is power in this book. Power in this book. And I'll tell you why. You could drop it. I know it's getting a little heavy. Thank you. There's so much power in this book that authors Lee Strobel, for the, he wrote The Case for Christ and The Case for Everything Else, right? Josh McDowell wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict. If you guys want a really good book on the evidence of God and all these things, Josh McDowell wrote a great book about it. And then also we have another guy, David Limbaugh. You heard of Rush Limbaugh, right? Well, David Limbaugh's his brother, and he wrote a book called 
Jesus on trial. All three of these men set out to prove that the Bible wasn't true. Every single one of them said, junk, 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 it's not true. And they studied this thing for a long, long period of time to prove that it wasn't true. They studied it for a few years to to prove that this isn't God's word and there's no truth in it. Here's a crazy thing. Here's a crazy thing. They studied for so long to prove that it wasn't true that the book is so powerful that boy, not only, not only did they find out the book was true, their lives were radically changed and they all became believers in Jesus Christ. Power in this book. Some people will tell you that the Bible isn't relevant for today. That was written back then, man. It's for all those crazy sinners, you know? We don't, we don't fry our cat to, for God and, you know, we don't do all these offerings and, you know, that was all written. All those rules are for them. Or they, they, they don't agree with what the Bible says because they, it doesn't fit their lifestyle. Maybe God should write a second book, right? Or they pick and choose verses. You like that? Like they'll, they'll just like pick a verse like, you know, John 3.16 and try to like trick you with it. It's like, yeah, but did you read 15 and 17? Did you read the whole chapter? Or they'll say, forget, forget this. This isn't true. This, I don't care what you say. It's not true. And it doesn't fit my lifestyle. It, it doesn't, I don't like it. I'm going to end on this very simple statement. Very short. The Bible does not need to be rewritten. The Bible does not need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread and reread and reread and reread. And you keep rereading the Bible, it is going to have a, an effect on your life like you've never seen before. You guys that are, that are new to reading the Bible, guess what? You are in for a great ride because your life is gonna be changed like the three gentlemen I told you before who said it wasn't true. And not only do they get the truth, they are living for God now. And that's what you're gonna do. You're going to learn, you're going to mature in God if you allow him. Don't give up on God. Don't give up when times are rough. Don't go read Chicken, chicken Soup for the Soul. Don't go read Us Magazine or don't go read People Magazine. Don't read these health, self-help books. Read the book. This has every answer to every problem you have in this lifetime. Answers are right here. You just need to get in between the pages. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your...